Welcome to Talk South Asian to Me. My name is Michelle. And my name is Anusha. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. Central and hear us react to each other's stories about mental health and growing up in different South Asian households. And remember, this podcast is not therapy. Engage with what feels entertaining and resonates with you and leave what doesn't. All right. Are you ready for the topic reveal? We're on letter I'm five. Ready. Why? Why? <laughs> I know. Why? Why are we on why? Already? <laughs> why are we on why? You're so cute. <laughs> the why is yearning for connection. Mm-hmm. So to break it down a little bit more, I know we discussed like talking about discussing the importance of social connections, building relationships, and combating loneliness for mental health. Mm-hmm. Yes. You ready? I'm ready for all of the research. Hit me. This is a really good topic. Like when I was doing research into it, I was like, there's some good stuff out there and it's very important, like social connectedness. It's very, mm-hmm. it's a very important aspect of life, of human psychology yeah. and the human body, you know? Yeah. So I did some general research um, mm-hmm. on social connection, loneliness, and a construct that I found constantly in multiple articles and cred- like through credible organizations was this construct, social connectedness. So the first article I'm going to talk about is a CDC article, and it's called, How Does Social Connectedness Affect Health? So the first, um, CDC dis- defined this term, right, social connectedness, which is, and it's, this is a quote from, their, from this website it, in the article. It says, social connectedness is the degree to which people have and perceive a desired number, quality, and diversity of relationships that create a sense of belonging and being cared for, valued, and supported. So that's a little heavy, but just like simplify, right? Social connectedness equals like helping us create a sense of belonging and mm-hmm. feeling cared for and valued and supported. Yeah. So research shows that social connectedness influences our minds, bodies, and behaviors. Mm-hmm. It's related to longer life, better health, and improved well-being. So it has mm-hmm. lots of correlation with those positive health outcomes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I read another article that was a flip side. So oh, like it was a CDC article and it talked about the health risks of social isolation and loneliness. Oh, So yeah. like the flip side, right? Like instead mm-hmm. of social connectedness, they looked at, they researched social isolation and loneliness. Mm-hmm. So social isolation is the lack of relationships with others and little to mm-hmm. no social support or contact. It is associated with risk even if people don't feel lonely. So even if Mm. the person's not feeling lonely, social isolation is still related to risk, health risks. Interesting. Mm -hmm. I thought that was interesting too. It really is. It's not just your perception of if you feel connected, if you feel isolated, but if you are disconnected, period, whether or not you feel lonely, it's not good for you, your Mm -hmm. mental well-being. Right. And maybe it sounds like social well-being. connected. Yeah, like social connectedness really provides a lot of benefits mm-hmm. that are really important for our health. Regardless so, of how you internalize it. That's crazy. Right. And how wow. you perceive it. Yeah. That's a cool tip. Yeah. I didn't know this either when I was looking mm-hmm. at it. I was like, interesting. So loneliness is feeling alone, 
or disconnected from others. <clears throat> it is feeling like you don't you do not have meaningful or, or close relationships or a sense mm. of belonging. Yeah. It reflects the difference between a person's actual and desired level of connection. This means that even with a person with a lot of friends can feel lonely, which I feel like we have talked about this before, mm-hmm. is that <clears throat> loneliness doesn't equate the quantity of friends, right? Like it's related right. to the quality of like having those meaningful, close relationships yeah. that give you that sense of belonging, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So <clears throat> some research for social isolation and loneliness, it's linked to increased risk for heart disease, Type, mm. two di- type 2 diabetes, depression, mm. anxiety, addiction, and there was like many other um, listed as well, but those were like the top ones that I extracted from this article. Um, but it has li- direct links, which is so interesting. Yeah. The, the mental aspect of it, the anxiety, depression, you know, those don't surprise me the least, even the addiction. Um, the, I think you said, what is it, heart um, something? Heart disease, type heart 2 disease, and type, type 2 yeah, diabetes. That, that's not quite surprising, but it's interesting. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wonder I'm, why those I would, yeah. specifically, though. I wonder mm-hmm. the science behind it. Interesting. Yeah. Or like what, what what's the link, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just a correlation. It might not be like a cause and effect, mm-hmm. right? That loneliness causes heart disease. It might just be related. But why is that pattern there, right? Yeah. That's so fascinating. So Our bodies are very interesting. (laughs) They are. Mind, body, very intertwined. Yeah. So this CDC article continues to talk about how to improve social connection. So five ways to improve social connection. Number one, establish and maintain social connections. So devoting time and attention to others, making effort, creating, like establishing regular contact with others. Mm -hmm. Number two, consider the support you give, receive, and have available to you. So like reflecting on how you are giving support, how are you receiving it, and what's there for you. Mm -hmm. Number three, strengthen the quality of social connections, which is Makes sense, right? If you have so many friends or social connections, it's hard to have that meaningful, like there's not room for that mm. quality. So then yeah. really focusing on the quality over quantity of social connections. Mm. Number four, address the barriers to social connection, right? Like if there's something that's coming in your way to make time for your social connections, what can you do to make time for them or make sure that you are giving effort to establish and maintain those social connections. Mm-hmm. Um, and then number five, talking with the healthcare provider about concerns like stress, loneliness, and social yeah. isolation. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like these types of questions are being asked in screening. Like when I go for my annual physicals, like they're mm-hmm. asking, like, you know, do you feel like you feel lonely? Like I've, I, like I recently went for my annual visit and they asked me about loneliness. And I was like, really? So when I read this, I was like, oh, like, you know, there's screening for this too. Yeah. Interesting. I don't think I've been asked that before in a screening or written. Usually what they ask you is, have you been – actually, wait, now that you say that, yeah, I think so. Yeah, which is cool. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. You don't think about I, it, but it's a measure that they assess. It is. 
clearly because mm-hmm. there is a connection to <clears throat> physical mm-hmm. and mental symptoms and like right. you know diseases right i've always thought it was in connection they ask for like as like a way to assess for depression but that that's interesting it could also right. be because they're assessing for some of these mm-hmm. you know like the heart disease and type 2 diabetes right. interesting right and then our favorite psychology today right I found an article. It's called The Brain Benefits of Social Connection. So more like why is social oh. connection so important? Mm-hmm. Um, this was recently published too in March 24, 2023 by Dr. Austin Perlmutter. I don't know if I said that right. But some key points from this article is that healthy social connections are increasingly linked to general health and brain health. Our time socializing may help keep our brains flexible and boost brain resilience. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting, right? Yeah. Um, some reasons for high levels of disconnection include social media, lack of local community, and a shift towards a me first mentality. Which mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting, the wording, you know? I like that. The balance, you know? Mm-hmm. We should consider <clears throat> prioritizing social connections as a daily brain health intervention. Wow. I know. So I like the point in this article the author made about like how socializing is directly linked to like keeping our brain flexible and boosting our resilience, right? Mm-hmm. Keeping our brain active and and young in a way. Yeah. You know, that reminds me of our – in recent years, like – more desire especially since like COVID happened and everything the recent desires for people to be more virtual and it just mm-hmm. it reminds me like we all want to be virtual not maybe all of us but a good majority a good chunk of us want to be virtual yeah. more often than not but mm-hmm. truly like this is a good reminder that just because that's what we want maybe that's not what's best for us right maybe having that social connection despite the annoying traffic and getting stuck in it (laughs) maybe that's what we need for just our day-to-day wellness and health yeah and like the me first mentality like immediately like ding 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 right like us moving away from the people-pleasing mentality so it's almost as if like that balance is important Mm -hmm. like not Mm -hmm. like the spectrum Right. Exactly. In order to maintain positive yeah. social connections, like a little bit of being a people pleaser is okay. But also mm-hmm. like the me first mentality is good too. Like you need to find the in between. Yeah. That's a really good way to highlight exactly what we've been talking about often on this mm-hmm. podcast is, you know, being a people pleaser is really oriented towards our ability to be social beings. And that's not a bad yeah. thing. Yeah, But we don't want to be overly one side or the other, you know, because clearly Mm -hmm. there are downsides of just always prioritizing yourself and always, you know, putting you first. It's not a bad thing to do that, but you have to do it with a balance. Right. Yeah, I love that. balance. That's a great, like, (laughs) you know, other side of the coin example, you know, with our topic today and why it's important to find a balance and not just stick Mm -hmm. to all or nothings of this is right this is wrong no right the balance yep balance is important Mm -hmm. okay so now i have an actual research article now we're going into like the south Uh, we're gonna go into the south asian section of our episode right like some research so this article this is a research study it's a cross-sectional study it's titled loneliness 
and mental health outcomes among South Asian older adult immigrants in the U.S. Mm -hmm. So this, the authors of this article and the, the researchers of this study looked at loneliness and how that's related to their mental health outcomes. And this is specifically looking at South Asian adults, immigrants that live in mm -hmm. the U.S. And the study was conducted in 2021. So I'm just going to read a section from the results section. Mm -hmm. So there was 600 – so this, they did like a survey um, to gain – to get, gather data. So there were okay. 682 responses. Wow. Okay. And these participants, these responses, these South Asians, 16% of them were Caribbean origin, 10% were Pakistani, 9% were Bangladeshi, and 8% were Indian. Okay. So they have 682 South Asian adult immigrants that live in the U.S., uh -huh. 9.4% of them reported symptoms of mild or moderate depression. So 9.4% said they feel mild or moderate depression. Mm -hmm. And then about a third of the participants, so 29.9% reported feeling lonely. A whole third mm -hmm. of this population mm -hmm. said that they felt lonely and 39.1%, so more than a third, experience any type of emotional distress. Okay? So when mm -hmm. compared to those participants that rated like good like health, like good self-rated health or having poor or sorry, when compared to those with excellent or very good self-rated health, mm -hmm. having fair poor or terrible self-rated health was associated with a greater adjusted or, or a greater greater chance of having repression. So, mm -hmm. which is understandable for us, right? Like if you yeah. have poor or terrible self-rated health, you might also feel depressed, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. And those who were experiencing emotional distress, they were also likely to be at a younger age, which is sad, mm -hmm. and that they live alone. Ah. Uh, that mm -hmm. would make sense. So more Less than a third said they were distressed, right? Like 39.1%. Mm. So though that population is younger and they live alone. I think a lot of women are younger. Yeah. That makes sense. I feel like uh, strictly observational. This is not research-based, but I feel like every generation gets to feel more lonely and lonely and lonelier. Mm -hmm. Not to mention if they're living alone, you know, maybe less chances of human interaction yeah. too. Yeah. So that was like a nitty gritty like research mm -hmm. article. I just kind of said a snippet of it, but the study goes into more in detail, like, you know, talking about the discussion of the study and like how it's applicable for future research and other related research. But I have another article. Okay. This is written by Dr. Shabnam Barry Khan, who is a clinical psychologist and case manager, and she's director of PsychWorks Associates. Mm -hmm. And this article that she wrote is called The Cultural Experience of Loneliness, Why South Asians Need to Take Heed During the Coronavirus Pandemic. Oh, Okay. So I thought this was a really interesting read too. It, the the author, Dr. Barry Khan, goes into um, just the experience of the South Asian and especially like it was more of like a context of like the Western world 
but mm. just with the pandemic and like the loneliness that can come stem from it and how does yeah. that specifically affect South Asians and that culture that they share. So some a paragraph that I wanted to read that really stuck out to me from this article is that we – so this author was writing in like – I think it's second person, right? We – like they also – Dr. Shabnam Barry Khan also identifies as South Asian. So we mm-hmm. are globally notorious for not taking up mental health support, likely engaging only at the point of crisis or beyond. Mm-hmm. Right, we are thought to stigmatize emotional challenges where shame and a fear of others finding out are hindering factors. Mm-hmm. This is ironic since the nature of South Asian culture is collectivist, which we have said, right? Like it's so mm-hmm. interesting. Like even though it's a collective culture, when it comes to mental health, it's so individualistic. Yeah. This traditional perspective typically held by the older generation for some reason has had a slower attrition rate that even our younger generations feel the stigma more strongly Mm. than perhaps other non-host cultures. This is a particular perpetuating issue because loneliness is one major weakness is having someone you can share your inner more worries with someone. And Mm. it gets tricky, right, when you've been raised in a culture to keep it all inside and not have that someone to share Mm -hmm. what's going on. Yeah. So I thought that was like a good way to like – bring in the South Asian culture and view loneliness. Like it's really, it could be easy for someone to feel loneliness because already there are cultural aspects and factors that can perpetuate it or lead to a person feeling lonely. Yeah, especially if they are maybe struggling with something in particular that they feel they can't share despite the collectivist culture. Mm-hmm. And the stigma too, right? Like, oh, I'll deal with it mm-hmm. or I'll just pray about it or I'll just like, you know, I don't mm-hmm. need to talk to anyone about it. I'll just keep it inside. Yeah. Absolutely. And it, it comes from somewhere. It's not just like we just know that, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, typically mm-hmm. there are things that people say that continue that on. Yeah. And then, you know, I really love that this author ended the article like specifically strategies for South Asians to combat loneliness. And okay. I thought it was really interesting because it was so it was very like narrow audience. It was geared towards South Asians, but it's so applicable and it's practical and it's doable. So these seven mm-hmm. strategies, I summarize them. They're, the author goes into detail, but the first one is to develop and practice self-awareness, mm-hmm. right? Um, practice self-compassion, kindness. This is something you've said too, right? Like, uh, like how would you if you were a friend listening to yourself like how would you respond Mm -hmm. right so like having that self-compassion and kindness normalizing conversations around emotional responses with your family so like if you get feedback like oh you're just showing attitude you're just being dramatic that's why you're feeling like Mm -hmm. this like knowing like being like making sure that you dismiss that and normalize it like making like make it a norm to talk about emotional Mm response or different emotions and mental health Mm The fourth one is being aware of social media and how it may not always be real, right? The depictions of social connections mm-hmm. and, right, that mm-hmm. can also ca- can lead to a person feeling lonely. They'll see, like, their friends and family, like, doing all things and, yeah. you know, that can cause – like, you know, you've heard the term, like, FOMO, right? Like, fear of missing out. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, like, that – I feel like that comes from social media a lot where, like, when you're watching other people, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Um, number five is finding a close friend who you who you can talk to about personal matters mm. or like a confidant, like someone yeah. that you consider close and you're comfortable in sharing what you're mm. feeling. And then number six and seven are more technical. Number six is psychotherapy, like seeking out alternative supports before diving into medication right away. So like psychotherapy, mm. community-based groups. And then lastly, like counselor, psychology support, like psychologist support. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I thought it was a really Those good Those are all article. pretty good tips. Yeah. 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 I, it was specific. Yeah, definitely. And also – general in the sense that still can be applicable to anybody right right but I also really want to like I mean when you talked about the social media I don't know what it is but I've actually been getting a lot of clients talk about comparing themselves on social Mm -hmm. media and Mm -hmm. it always takes me by surprise just because I don't know maybe this is my experience specific I don't I don't know but Given, like, most of my clients are typically around the same age and generation as I am. And they talk about, like, for example, I had a client the other day who was talking about comparing herself to another friend that she had growing up that she follows and, like, Mm -hmm. her seemingly perfect life on Instagram. And then another client today who was talking about how, like, social media really depicts, like, the best of when people are engaged and, like, Mm -hmm. it's all, like – rainbows and roses and right and it was a lot of like breaking down with the clients like would you post the problems that you feel and face in in your life on social media they're like no Mm -hmm. and I was like well neither are they like they're not actually having a perfect life this is just the fun stuff the highlight of their life that they're posting right so this is a general PSA to everybody listening don't compare yourself to things that you see on social media because that is not mm-hmm. an accurate description or depiction of their life. Yeah. Whatever but you're looking so at, easy. whatever you're comparing yourself. It's yeah, so easy it's so because we – Yeah, and it's so available, so available. and our bra- brains can trick us, right? Like we have to actively tell ourselves like this is not their whole life. But yeah. if that's what – if you spend a lot of time, majority of your free time on social media – it's easy to be like, to oh, this is their that. life. Mm-hmm. It's hard to remember But that. you're right. It's you important to be to aware. That. Yeah, it's important to be aware that social media is not real. Always, yeah. you know. It's just the best parts of us. And, like, that's okay. There's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with it. But we just need to remember that it's just the best parts of mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. And if you want to be authentic on there, do it. There will definitely be people who would love to see that. Yeah. But even if you don't, just remember it's not all the party stuff that we see and the fun stuff that we get to see. We yeah. don't know what went into that. We don't know what's happened right before that, right after that right. even. Right. Right. Okay. I'm getting off my soapbox. It's just something that has come up a lot lately and it always breaks my heart when people, you know, especially yeah. around like relationships or lifestyle and they talk about feeling behind and it always breaks my heart. I'm like, you are definitely not behind by any means. Mm-hmm. What you're going through is not something that only you are going through, but that's the thing. You know, right. we focus with tools like social media. We talk about the best parts and we never talk about, even in our collectivist cultures, the things that are icky or scary or right. Right. not going well. You know, like for example, just taking like that client who was talking about her recent engagement and how she mm-hmm. felt some doubts 
And like normalizing, that's actually not that abnormal. When people start planning for their wedding, there's too many cooks in the kitchen. Sometimes doubts do creep in when problems happen during that time. That doesn't mean that you're not still in it. That doesn't mean it's still not the right decision for you. But nobody talks about those doubts, right? Mm -hmm. Most of the time, people are like, oh, I'm engaged and I'm so in love and I'm so excited. Nobody (laughs) talks about the struggles sometimes of planning and like the doubts that come up. And I I think that... Mm -hmm. That could be a really harmful thing. It can breed isolation. Right, right. We're not leaning on the support when it's there. Right. Okay, I'm off important topic. (laughs) No, it's true. Like social media is related to, I feel like, a lot of different challenges, mental health challenges. Yeah. And this is definitely one of them, right? Feeling isolated. It's so interesting. It's like a paradox. Social media Mm -hmm. can like lead to people feeling lonely sometimes in a way in my opinion like if you start feeling like comparing yourself like you said okay so that was like my research portion Mm -hmm. do you have anything to add do you have any questions no I feel like that was I mean there were some things that I learned that were like super interesting like the connection to the specific you know, the heart disease and the type 2 mm-hmm. diabetes, that was mm-hmm. something I, I wasn't know, I was aware like, of. This is a CDC cool. article, so I feel yeah, like that's, that's pretty, pretty cool. credible. <laughs> yeah. That is very credible. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, when I when we discussed this topic too, like even like I also immediately thought of three things. One, quality over quantity. Immediately that's what I thought of. Mm-hmm. And then of course the sense of like belongingness was the next thing that came up for me. And the last thing was these like buzzwords around like the more connected we are you know the happier we are the more supported Mm -hmm. we are the more loved we are the more fulfilled we are you know those are the kind of buzzwords that Mm -hmm. came up for me and those are things that you know reflected in your research so nothing really too surprising but some interesting connections to physical health that was pretty cool to learn i know i feel like there is like a lot of things i'm sure that we talk about have a lot of like somatic links like you know yeah, like definitely like symptoms Mind of the and body. body are connected yeah they're definitely connected right okay you ready for my story i am ready for your story mine's more like a reflection like an observation okay. of like the people around me and me like it's not like a story story per se but it's more of like a mm-hmm. reflection um i feel and, and penny that for your thoughts. <laughs> are you ready yeah my soapbox i'm ready <laughs> so I feel just like growing up in a South Asian household, being surrounded with South Asian family members, I feel that I've observed isolation, social isolation, lack of social connectedness, loneliness more with the woman in my family. Hmm. And my thoughts behind that is like for a woman, right? We've talked about this before. People pleasing is positively reinforced in our culture and then mental hmm. health is ignored, right? So reflecting on my family's history this is like this might be just like my own observation and it might not be true for everyone but mm-hmm. you know reflecting on my family's history like my parents face isolation loneliness when they first immigrated to the US sure right and we've talked about this when you immigrate right you have to recreate your community that maybe you were born into initially so it's a lot of mm-hmm. energy it's a lot of mental health or mental energy physical energy to like move like try to create mm-hmm. your own community, be part, create your own sense of belonging. And my parents shared stories with me how 
before it. So they moved from abroad, like from home, their homeland to like the Northeast, um, New York. So they're like, this is like right before I born around the time I was about to be born. My parents mm-hmm. like shared stories that they had a really good friend group and like every Friday they would take turns to like host potluck dinners, which was really uh-huh. cool. So, you know, my parents like left their families behind or like family members were like in other parts of the U.S. They weren't close, mm-hmm. right? But they created this community to have that social connection. And yeah. like it was a tradition like every Friday, do dinners, hang out. And it's really funny. Like when they told me this, I was like, I cannot imagine you guys doing this. Because <laughs> like <laughs> I see them as my parents and yeah. they're very different <laughs> than what sure. they were sharing, right? So, so after – I was born, right? They moved from New York to Texas and changed jobs. So they made mm-hmm. another transition, right, across the country. Yeah. And I think they faced some social isolation starting then. So mm-hmm. granted, when we moved to Texas, we did move closer to my dad's side of the family. But mm-hmm. I feel like because of just past shared trauma and things like that, there wasn't really full meaningful social connection all the time. Mm-hmm. And so I think in some cases, because of trauma or like, you know, lack of trust, or even with close family members and friends, social isolation can be intentional too, or like chosen, in my opinion, uh, right? Like you're like, oh, I, yeah. I can't trust that person. So I'm not like, even if that person is my sibling, mm-hmm. like I'm not going to talk to them mm-hmm. and share. Like I don't, I'm not going to talk to anyone. I don't trust anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was the case with my parents and Mm -hmm. so like growing up like I witnessed this mindset and you know like it's not like they completely isolate themselves like we always were like with our family members like we would do birthday parties traditions Thanksgiving dinners things like that and like weddings like we were still close but they like I think there was like that lack of like like the quality right like the sense of belonging so like Mm -hmm. I would notice like my it was very – not like surface level, like the connection that they shared with my dad's side of the family. Mm-hmm. Whereas like, you know, I grew up with my cousins. So like we really have meaningful relationships. We do our like annual November like cousin sleepover that I like always look oh, forward to. Love that. So, so I know it's so fun. I'm like we're still – we're grown adults now but we still do it. Even I though I can't that. hang anymore. I, I go to sleep early now. <laughs> Could you even ever? Though I'm like, even though I'm like, let's stay up and play games. <laughs> Oh, gosh, the first one to fall asleep on the couch. Um, But, you know, in some ways, like, like I started noticing this not like pretty like later on in life where there would be like an event and my parents would like be iffy about it. Like, oh, I don't know if I want to go. Like we just saw them like yesterday or like last week. And my sister Mm -hmm. would be like, no, no, like we have to go. I want to hang out with the cousins again. I want to do this. So it's just like Mm -hmm. I started noticing these trends where like, Right. There wasn't that like shared sense of belonging. I'm, I'm not saying it's been like that always. Like it's evolving, it's yeah. changing, like relationships change. And I think with me and my sister modeling that social connection with our cousins, like I think that's mm. impacting like my parents. Like they're more willing to like be having more meaningful mm. conversations and things like that. But it's still a work in progress. Yeah. But I thought that was that was kind of like my observation in my household where it was almost like it felt like it was chosen social isolation because there were people around us. Mm-hmm. Like even with friends, like 
my parents are very, very cautious with their friends. And I think it just has to do uh-huh. with their past trauma, like having that, like those trusting challenges and just mm-hmm. like not wanting, not having a hard time trusting others, even if it's like a close friend right. or a close family member. Yeah. So that's kind of like my observation. And I think, and I've talked about this in a previous episode too, about like, I think it was like the friends one where my mom or my dad would like, my mom especially be like, you can't trust anyone. And like, this would be with friends too. So like I started like getting this mentality pushed on me in a little, in some Mm -hmm. ways. And early on, I kind of adopted to two without realizing. And so Um, I think that's why in some ways, like during my journey of, you know, working towards more positive mental health, like I'm, that's something that I am, have been struggling with and I'm working on is like the trust Mm -hmm. and everything. Um, But Mm -hmm. I think it stemmed from this. You know that yeah. chosen social isolation, the that struggle to not be able to trust close ones in order to establish and maintain social connections. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Definitely. one step at a time. You know, I have my circle, and I'm like working mm-hmm. on having my people with me and being trusting and loving freely. I hope so too. You deserve yeah. that. Thanks. Hmm. So that was a little tidbit, my reflection, my family. I love that. That's very insightful. And, you know, I feel like it's important to to differentiate, though, like loneliness and feeling alone. I feel like sometimes they get kind of crossed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And feeling alone is when you are literally alone right and you feel the distance feeling lonely is you can be literally surrounded by a bunch of people and feel lonely mm-hmm. so it's not about again like we were talking about earlier right it's not about the quantity it's about the quality right right whereas feeling alone is there literally isn't like people around you yeah yeah i think loneliness is like a like the perception in a way. And then social isolation is like, there's actually no one there. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, That's a perfect way to put it. It's a perception. It's how you internally feel Mm -hmm. about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, you know, I almost wonder like in what you've observed, you know, if maybe your family just chose to be alone more often than not because they didn't feel truly connected truly belonging in the community that was available Mm -hmm. exactly yeah or maybe like that's something that's generational Mm -hmm. where like social connectedness wasn't modeled it wasn't shown how to maintain Mm -hmm. and establish and maintain social connections could be a generational thing too maybe Hmm. but (laughs) one thing's for sure we are very social beings we definitely need it Right, it's good for Even the we sometimes body struggle. and mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. You want to hear my story? Yes, I'm ready. He. Okay. Well, I feel like my story. It's a pretty quick one. I feel like I can summarize it really quickly into three kind of segments. Early on, from what I remember, like super early, pre middle school, like maybe elementary mm-hmm. and early, the middle school, high school years. You know, the formative mm-hmm. teen. angsty years and then now um when I was really really young I I mean I'm 
actually, I would say I've always been an introvert. I've learned how to be more extroverted, but I've always Mm -hmm. been an introvert at heart. Mm -hmm. And when I was really young, as you know, I'm also an only child. I was an introvert. I had pretty, you know, traditional and safety oriented risk averse parents. So I didn't like really hang out with friends outside of school, Mm -hmm. things like that Mm -hmm. um, early on. And yet I never felt like lonely because Mm -hmm. I had a really deeply rooted sense of belongingness in my family. You know, when we lived uh, in India and even when we moved here, despite moving here and like loneliness, I'm sure my parents had felt, I felt a really strong connection to my family regardless. And so I Mm -hmm. never really noticed that loneliness um, personally until middle school and high school. A little bit mm-hmm. more, not quite too much still, but I did feel it a little bit more as is typical, right? When you have teenagers, hormones, yeah. angsty years, <laughs> whatever we're talking yeah. about, <laughs> the ups and downs of friendship. And so mm-hmm. I feel like I've definitely had bouts of, you know, feeling different, being an immigrant in the early years. Like we lived in neighborhoods where maybe the population wasn't as diverse Mm -hmm. and then sometimes we lived rarely but sometimes we lived in populations like Hebron right Carrollton had a little bit more of a diverse population um so it was easier to feel a sense of belongingness but before that like it was a little bit harder yeah so I feel like depending on where I was who I was with and like who I felt connected to it's a pretty normal thing to go in and out of feeling lonely right And then I guess now I've actually noticed that my sense of loneliness has increased. I mean, I still don't feel lonely often, but I certainly notice it more often. And that was a surprise to me. I was actually reflecting on this a while ago. And it was a a really big surprise to me why all of a sudden I started feeling more loneliness. And like, obviously, you'll know the answer, I'm sure. It's because the root of my sense of belongingness as a kid was Mm -hmm. my family, was my parents, was my extended family, aunts and uncles, grandparents, you know, things like that. But as you know, they've since moved back to India. And so I realized I, I didn't, I mean, honestly, like I was looking at it from the point of like, yeah, I'm grieving a family that I felt close to, but kind of like was a light bulb moment recently when I was like, it's deeper than that. I feel mm-hmm. a deeper sense of Loss. loneliness and like feeling it more often. You know, it's not just those moments in between certain groups of friends in transitions right. when you're like, oh, I feel belongingness to you. Oh, I've changed. I feel lonely. Oh, I feel belongingness to you and who I am now. Yeah. It's more than that. It's deeper than that, right? This is like the foundation of my community. Mm-hmm. I shifted and changed. I know it seems a little bit silly-ish to be like, well, yes, they're far away. They're on a different continent, but that doesn't mean it changes our relationship. Right. But it's something that I feel like I've been contending with lately. I am more of like a – I need like physical distance, like the closeness, mm-hmm. the tangibleness I feel of like holding people. You know, physical yeah. touch is part of my love language, not being able to hold them, hug them, you know see them yeah. it's different yeah, like it's a change i am not a call kind of it's person. in a way so, like a symbolic loss like you know yeah exactly and so i feel like lately i've noticed that my loneliness 
and thoughts around loneliness and feeling loneliness have gone up. And it was kind of like a light bulb, like, oh, yeah, duh, that's why I've been feeling it more often. Even though I have, like, maybe a good group of friends, even though I might have a good group of, um, like, network, professional network, even though, you know, I might have some family still here, the root of belongingness that I have felt for so long, that's shifted. And so it brings up things. And this is like, these are your parents. These are the first people that mm-hmm. helped you feel a sense of belonging in a way in yeah. this world. Literally, yeah. right? Like quite literally. Yeah. So like you're right. Like this is very deep. And mm-hmm. the fact that there's a large physical distance between y'all now, right? Like they're not easily yeah. accessible to you as much, right? There's a time difference. Mm-hmm. There's just so many other barriers, <laughs> yeah. right? When, you, when we think, exactly. like, think on that, like it is a huge shift, like you said. It is a mm-hmm. change. Yeah, it really is. It's okay to feel like what you've been feeling, right? Like, I'm really, really sorry that it's been heavy (laughs) on you. Inevitable, I suppose. But Mm -hmm. I have also been trying not to overindulge and wallowing Mm -hmm. because then, you know, obviously that pity party just kind of continues the loneliness. And as we've talked about, anxiety, depression, Depression, self-esteem heart disease there are things associated with allowing oneself to continue to feel that way Mm -hmm. and i think you know to a certain degree like i was saying earlier my personal observation is that each generation has just started feeling more loneliness yeah because each generation goes further and further away from collectivist community oriented right day-to-day living right each generation you tend to see more division in the Mm day-to-day at least Mm-hmm. Even if it's you are so in a community, I couldn't tell you my neighbors. I have no idea who they yeah, are. Yeah, same, same. <laughs> the previous generations, it wasn't really like that. You would know your yeah. neighbors, you know, yeah. and maybe you wouldn't necessarily feel a deep connection to them, but there's a sense of trust, safety, support, belongingness in that. Right. right. So I feel like, you know, all of this really plays into a society where we just continually feel more and more isolated from one another and more and more lonely, despite having mm-hmm. wonderful people in our lives, maybe. And like, yeah. it's it's one of the number one things I'm actually seeing a rise of in therapy too. Almost every single client at some point in our therapy will talk about feeling lonely. Mm-hmm. It is a rising problem. And I think yeah. that we need to be more vigilant about creating intentional moments to connect with people, right. to right. live in and among people more than yeah. we do already. And combating loneliness is such so crucial, not just for our mental health, but our physical health, our brain health. So it's so important to actively exactly. work towards decreasing that feeling. Yeah, exactly. And it's a delicate balance. You know, I get it. Mm-hmm. We like our freedom. We have a taste yeah. of it. We Me like first. our virtual spaces. <laughs> yeah. Got a taste of it. Me first, exactly. And that's all well, but clearly there's another side to that coin and mm-hmm. it's, it's not pretty. So mm-hmm. we need to be able to find a balance with it. We have to be yeah, able absolutely. to be vulnerable and even maybe call up a friend or two and be like, I've been feeling lonely. Right. Let's get together. Right. right. Acknowledging it being aware of it yeah exactly because chances are if we took a poll i'm fairly certain 
the majority of people, if not more than the majority of people, like a really high percentage, are going to feel, at least in the past three months of their life, at some point, having felt lonely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like – It's a problem. You know, the pandemic didn't help in that way either, in a way, right? Like yeah. Increased that distance and social isolation mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah. And it was so long, like the isolation from the pandemic, that I bet like it's instilled habits within all of us to distance mm-hmm. ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I can't even imagine, you know, all the, you know, the kiddos that were born at that time mm-hmm. and then not being able to socialize. I mean, that must have really done a number on their development mm-hmm. too. Right. I'm sure there's active research that is happening right now about that. I'm sure. I'm sure. I hope so. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that is my story, my musings, if you will. No, oh, thanks for sharing. Like I know that's sharing things like that create you know, can make someone vulnerable. So like thank you for putting yourself yeah. out there and being real with me and with our listeners. It was a vulnerable one. Okay, so yeah. having said that, mom, dad, if you're listening, I love you. I don't resent you for leaving. Aww. Don't call me out later. Auntie and <laughs> uncle, we love you. <laughs> All I was right. you know, thinking on that actually, real quick. Hmm. Like, do you because of the shift now? Are there hmm. any like new traditions or routines that you've developed with your mom and dad to help hmm. combat the the feelings that that loss of sense of belonging that you've been feeling? Like maybe that like virtual tradition. Very interesting or, idea. Like oh, like every week on this time we're gonna talk, like so you can like look forward to that or like. We're going to yeah. do a I virtual should. game thing, you know. I know they're I busy really people. Should. So. Oh, yeah. They're busier but, than me. But it doesn't hurt to, like, ask for a little bit, like, once a week or once every two weeks. Yeah, definitely. And I'm, I'm sure they would. But I really do not like talking on the phone. Mm. And... I have a really hard time. Like I can miss somebody so, so freaking much and I just won't pick up the phone and call them. That's it's like a weird that. mental block. Like I am definitely a person like you got to be here. I'm going to show up. Right. But right. I can't call you. It's just like a weird mental block. And like my mom is the same way. So it's so frustrating because every time we do end up calling each other because it's been too long, we're like, why haven't you called me? Why aren't you talking mm-hmm. to me? Aww. But we both yeah. do it. We're so bo- both yeah. like so bad at this. But you know what? New year, new me. I'm going to try. That'll be a resolution. Go. I'm going to attempt to connect more and other figure ways. out whatever this weird deal is yeah. with not calling people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that's a good idea. I do like the idea of a virtual game night. You know, we did do it initially when my aunt and uncle, like my second parents, basically mm-hmm. left with their kiddos. Mm-hmm. That was the first time we actually did like a international game night with all the cousins. That's fun. But it happened like once. It was chaos. Oh, I bet. Just utter chaos. <laughs> <laughs> too many people, too many people too many, talking yeah. over one another. It yeah. was messy. I can imagine. <laughs> but maybe it's a good idea. Thank you for that suggestion, babe. I'll look into it. Of course. You can keep me honest if yeah. I flake. That's okay <laughs> if you do. That's all what this is about, right? Trying new things and seeing if Trying they work. If things. they don't, that's okay. Yes, exactly. Just got to try, tweak, mm-hmm. learn. If it doesn't, it doesn't. There you go. <laughs> Life lessons by Anusha. 
<laughs> and you should, Michelle. I feel like I just piggybacked yeah, on you. I can't take credit. <laughs> okay, okay. We'll take care of it together. Tax that Asian to me. <laughs> yes. I like that. Tax that Asian to me. TM. <laughs> All righty. Shall I see us out? Yes. Okay. Well, as always, if our podcast has resonated with you and you'd like to share your story with us or ask any questions, you can reach us at TalkSouthAsianToMe at Gmail, or you can find us on all the social media, social media, socials, <laughs> at the handle at TalkSouthAsianToMe. Until next time, bye. Bye.